I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 464 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I got an awesome guest for you guys today. Brian Austin Green joins me on First Class Fatherhood. Brian is well known for portraying David Silver on the smash hit Beverly Hills 90210. Recently, you've seen Brian on both The Masked Singer and The Masked Dancer. He competed on The Masked Singer as the giraffe in season four. Then he became a panelist on the first season of The Masked Dancer. Brian was also featured in the recent Hulu documentary Kid 90, which was made by Punky Brewster star Soli Moon Fry, and it detailed the journey of actors who were coming of age while working in Hollywood in the 90s. Brian has also been a season regular on shows such as Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Freddy, Wedding Band, and Anger Management. He has been acting for almost his entire life. I'm honored to have him on the podcast with me today. Brian Austin Green will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Brian Austin Green was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. And if you guys do enjoy today's interview with Brian Austin Green and you were fans of Beverly Hills 90210 like I was, you will probably enjoy my interviews with Dean Kane, who became Brenda Walsh's love interest in Paris as Rick. Also, it's well known that Brian Austin Green as David Silver chased Donna Martin, played by Tori Spelling, all around the show for the entire series. I happened to do an interview with Tori's real-life husband, Dean McDermott. That interview, as well as the one with Dean Kane, are all available in the archives of the podcast. And be sure you come back for Wednesday's episode. Returning to the podcast is Navy SEAL best-selling author Jack Carr, who's going to talk about his new book, The Devil's Hand, as well as the new upcoming series that's been made about his book series. And Friday, Backstreet Boys member AJ McLean joins me to close out the week. All right, so don't miss out on that. Make sure you follow me over on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the other upcoming guest announcements. If you're enjoying the show, please hit me with that rating and review on iTunes. goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show to see us celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Brian Austin Green. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, where are you buying the meat that nourishes you and your family? I used to get mine at the supermarket, but now, thanks to Belcampo, it comes straight to my door, and it's far better and healthier than what I was used to. And thanks to my new partnership with Belcampo, First Class Fatherhood listeners can now benefit as well. Grass-fed and pasture-raised meats like Belcampo have five amazing benefits for your health compared to conventional meats. Healthy fats, omega-3s, antioxidants, minerals, and yes, more omegas. Belcampo animals grow more slowly as nature intended. This is a difference you can both see and taste. And I'm telling you right now, guys, once you try it, you'll make the switch just like I did. Hey, it's your family, dads. Give them the nutritious meats that they deserve. And if you order right now, you could save 20% off your first order. Go to belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood. That's B-E-L-C-A-M-P-O dot com forward slash fatherhood. And use the promo code fatherhood to save 20% off your first order. All right, guys, and the way Belcampo raises its animals isn't only better for your health, it has a positive impact on the environment as well. Go visit belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood, use that promo code fatherhood, and save 20% off your first order. A gift for first-time customers from First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Brian Austin Green. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? 
Let's do it. I have four. I have a 19-year-old, a an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. Okay, very cool. I'm right there with you. I got four kids myself. So, um, what uh, what, what type of sports or activities you got the younger ones into? Um, you know what? They're not super uh, into sports and athletics. They're much more um, they're much more into the arts and 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 creativity and all of that. So my 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 second to youngest, Bodie, he's the most athletic of them all. He's uh, but he's much more of like, I think he's going to end up being like an X Games athlete. Like he's he's one of those like parkour kids. You know, he's like he's always jumping off of everything and um, and climbing down stuff. And he's I have a trampoline here and he's always on that. And he's he's super active that way. Um, my eight year old Noah is much more artistic. He's really into the piano and singing and all of that. And then journey the youngest one the four-year-old he's still uh he's still into like dinosaurs and king kong and stuff like that so he's the the jury's still out on him and then my oldest one cash he's um he's really into the arts as well he's he's studying acting right now and he's uh he's really serious about that so he's into musical theater and and theater itself and acting and all of that so he's kind of he's uh he's taking that that road which you know what? It's no real surprise to me. Like I wasn't a big athletic kid. I, I mean, I would skateboard and, and, uh, I, I rode like BMX bike and stuff like that. And I was into like ramps and I, you know, I was, I was a super active kid, but I wasn't really an athletic kid. I, I didn't really play a lot of sports when I was younger. Yeah. Very cool, Brian. And then if you could just take one second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. All right. Uh, so what I, what I currently do, however you want to play it. I, uh, I, so I've been, I've been acting since I was nine. Um, I've been, uh, which I, I didn't see coming. I didn't plan it. Um, I grew up in music. My, my father is a drummer. So I, I studied drums when I was younger and went to school for that, went to all music academies. And that was a, that was a big thing for me. I always thought that I would end up being a drummer in some band. Um, I started acting when I was nine. I kind of stumbled into it. A friend of mine at the time was, was acting. I met with his agent. I did a few commercials and student films because a, a school that I was going to, to study music was on the USC campus. So uh, student directors from USC would come over and they'd select kids for their student films and their graduate projects. So I did a few of those. And then acting just kind of took off. Uh, just it, it kind of became a career for me. It became one of those things where it was like, I, I, I'm sure I wanted to do other stuff, but I just didn't have time. Um, and and that's fine. I mean, it's given me an amazing, an amazing life and, and an amazing um, platform now to use. Yeah. And obviously you've had a very successful career here, Brian. And then so along this journey, uh, about how old were you then when you first became a dad? And then how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? I was 29 when uh, when Cassius was born. Um, that was that was the first that was the first step for me in learning selflessness i think that was that was the first 
time that I really sort of understood and was was inching closer toward that sense of like, oh, okay, I act, but I don't necessarily need approval from other people um, to feel good about myself. Like what feels the best is approval from my child. Um, but I was still, you know, 29 was still young. I mean, I was still, I had still been working a lot and it was sort of, it was, that was all a new sort of thing for me. And then as he grew, that progressed. And at the point then when my younger three were, were born, um, that was really, that was, that really started the ball rolling for me in figuring out who I was and realizing like, I can't, I can't, um, fall back on how I was raised and what, what necessarily I went through and, 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 you know, relationships I had with my parents and other kids. Like I can't, I can't use any of that as an excuse anymore because it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter at this point, you know, how long, how long do I want to just sit in a situation and point fingers at other people and say, this person did me wrong and that person did me wrong and blame everybody before I look at myself and go, okay, who, who then do I want to be? And that was, I think at the birth of, I think at the birth of journey, my four-year-old, that was when things really started coming together for me. And then over this past year and a half with the pandemic and, um, and the separation and everything I've been through has really, it's all really been a catalyst for me of, um, a real change of how my brain works and how I think and, and a different perspective on the world and, and relationships and people. Um, and I really, you know, I've, I've really, taken the heart I, I used to I used to be sort of uh, frustrated and annoyed and, and I felt so much pressure from this strange sort of pedestal and soapbox that we have to speak from and that people would pay attention to what I said or what I wore and that used to bother me and it's it's only been over the last maybe year and a half really that I've realized I can do so much with that. Um, and, and I've learned to appreciate it and not, and, you know, now, now, uh, when I hear comments from other people and whatever, uh, I find the humor in them. <laughs> it's, I, I find like, you know, people that, people that sit on some of these sites and literally just try and think of like the worst comments that they can say that will affect you in a terrible way. Um, they're hysterical. <laughs> so uh, I try and. I, try, I, I remove myself from those because they don't know me at all anyway. So it's not really about me. And I, so I just look at them from, uh, from the lens of like just purely comedic and they're hysterical. People are really funny. And, uh, and, and so I've gotten to a point now where I like, I really like experiencing people and, and hearing their story and um, really listening and really trying to understand where somebody has come from or where they are currently coming from uh, because people are very different and have very unique, interesting stories. And my kids have incredible stories and they have so much to give to me. I've, I've learned, I've experienced 
really with my young three because they're so close in age. They've they've all been raised pretty much the same, and they couldn't be more different from each other than they are. And and, and it, that was the that was the true realization for me of like, this isn't, they're not my, I don't own them. They're not like, I'm, they're my kids. So it's my job to raise them, but it's not my job to create them or tell them who they should or shouldn't be. They, they are who they are. I, I kind of feel like it's my job just to make sure morally they have a really good understanding of compassion and, and they're really good at communicating with people and listening to people and, and they approach everything. They know the difference between right and wrong because I think inherently people do. It, it's that, you know, sometimes it can be that little voice on your shoulder that you that that, uh, that I think a lot of people ignore. Um, but that's they, as long as I raise them with, I feel, a good gauge on that. Um, then they're they're going to be who they are. So hopefully they have that moral uh, base. They have that um, that foundation to to grow from. Yeah, really good stuff, Brian. And you mentioned there too the uh, your separation and also the quarantine. So I know a lot of the dads that listen here they're co-parenting. They're in those situations. So what have been some of the challenges for you to co-parent during the quarantine? And what kind of advice maybe do you have for that dad out there who's just on the onset of maybe a co-parenting situation? Um, honestly, make the most of it. I think like as hard as it is and as, uh, as unknown as it can be and as frustrating as it can be, um, just try and make the best of it because this is, I think this, this quarantine has been a really unique situation. I, I know in a lot of ways, as far as connecting with my kids and, being being around the house, so you start figuring out and finding fun things to do outside, and you spend a lot more time with the people that are around you, and it's and make the most of it because it's not always going to be this way. So we've had this, I've had this amazing year and a half of doing really fun things at home with my kids, and and um, and like doing things like making s'mores and, and just like really laughing and swimming and spending time to get like good quality time and doing fun stuff that creates memories. Those are the memories when I was a kid that I still hold on to. It's, I remember the experiences that I had, the fun things that I did and who was a part of those things. And so I want to be a part of those things for my kids for sure. I, I don't want them to have those memories with with a nanny or at school you know this is this is a real unique experience and and we're we're stuck in it it's like you can it's it's all about the person you choose to be while living in this experience it's not easy for anyone it's exhausting and it's and it's frustrating and you know money wise it's it's extremely difficult for a lot of people um but being frustrated about it isn't going to change it. Isn't going to make it make it any shorter or make it any better. If anything, it's going to make it worse because now you are not only at home but you are angry at home. So make the best of it. That's that. That's 
that's the one thing with all of this that is within your control is the person you choose to be uh, living in this time and, and living in this space. Yeah, well said, Brian. I've had so many dads on the show here that have testified that the quarantine in, in a lot of ways have had some silver linings because they got a chance to get off the road, reconnect with their family, spend more time with their kids. So there was a lot of hidden blessings yeah. um, in the fact that people were forced to stay home during this. And then well, one more quick hitter on that, I, I would say, uh, I know for a lot of dads out there that are are, are, are are separated, one of the things they struggle with is when to introduce their kids to a new potential spouse or a new girlfriend. Did you have a certain point that you had to get to in your relationship where you felt comfortable enough to introduce your kids to a, to a new uh, girlfriend? Um. I thought I did. I, when I was when I was single, I was really struggling with when to do it and what the rules should be and how, you know how best to do it and all of that. And when all of a sudden I was in a new relationship, I I realized that it's not about when so much as it's about how. Um, I kind of I kind of feel the same way with separation uh, you know people that go into it trying to play the play the game of oh you know I don't want it to affect my kids it's like it is uh, there's there's no way that it's not so again the only thing that's in your control is how it affects your kids whether it's a positive experience or it's a negative one um I've I've chosen to make it the same way with the person that I'm dating now. It's like, okay, let's let my kids feel like they've maintained control through all of it, that it's, it's a situation that I am sharing with them. They still, uh, they're still in the driver's seat as far as everything going on. It's like, Hey, do you know, do you, do you want this person to come over today or not? And if not, then it's like, okay, it's, you know, it's your house also, it's your time. So it's, I want them to feel like it's within their control. So if she does come over, it's, it's a group decision. It's something that everybody is excited about. And so then when she does, then they're like, Hey, Sean is here. And everybody's like super excited and they're running outside and they can't wait to greet her and see her. And, and it's not, it's not me saying, Oh, hey, by the way, this is what's happening. And they're just sort of along for the ride. And they feel like they're taking a backseat to my life. I want I I always try and keep in mind that that uh, that my home is their home also. And I try and I try and uh, honor that and respect that for them. I want them to always feel that sense of this is. This is our home first. And and anybody that comes around, it's it all needs to fit within our lives. And it's important how we feel. Yeah, really great stuff, Brian. And then what about what about as far as discipline? What type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? All right, dads, my pillow has got so much more to offer than just the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own, but don't just take my word for it. Here's my wife to tell you her favorite product from my pillow. Honey, what is it? Well, I love all the my pillow products, from the robe to the towels, but my 
absolute favorite hands down product is the my pillow mattress topper on our king size bed i have the best sleep since owning that topper it's like sleeping at a spa resort and i can't wait to sleep on it tonight and i look forward to seeing you there tonight and let me tell you something right now guys happy wife happy life and this mattress topper has been a game changer for me that's a guarantee and speaking of guarantees all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? First-class fatherhood listeners can now save up to 66% off. That's right, up to 66% off your order using my promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD to save up to 66% off or use the 800 number. That's 1-800-875-0219, 1-800-875-0219, and your savings will be applied instantly. Visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and save up to 66% off your order at MyPillow. What about what about as far as discipline? What type of disciplinarian are you as a dad, and is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Um, it's, it is different, but then it's not. Um, I'm, I'm very into structure. I'm very into, uh, okay, if you're going to play with stuff, play with it. But then before you move on to the next thing, put the last thing away that you were playing with. You know, like <laughs> if you're, if you're done with that juice box, okay, throw it in the trash. Like you, you know, don't just leave it on the counter when you're done. Like there's the trash can, you know, where it is, put your, you know, dump your food in the trash can, put your plates in the sink. Like I try and really keep them structured that way. Um, but I feel like, and I wouldn't even necessarily say that it's a difference in parenting style from my parents. I think it's just a different time. I'm much more, I'm much more open to, as I said before, my kids being who they are and, and not, not putting restrictions on them that way. It's like, Hey, you know, you, you are going to wear what you want to wear. You're going to have your hair the way you want to have your hair like it's that's especially them being as young as they are I kind of feel like now is the time for you to do that like you're eight you should you know if you want if you want longer hair do it like you don't have to wear a suit and go to work and you don't have a a certain uniform to put on so then don't put that uniform on there's you have an entire lifetime to have to do that so right now while you're a kid just be a kid like just have fun you know where I, I want I want my kids to understand and trust the fact that no matter who they are, um, aside from moral stuff, like, you know, morally, I, I hold hold the flame to them a little bit more on that, which is good. I think they've really I think they're really good kids. And, and I hear from parents whose houses they play out with their kids like, oh, your kids are great. They're really respectful. They're you know, they're all of that. But I really want them to know that no matter what is going on in their life and, and uh, what they're struggling with or whatever's happening, that I love them, regardless. Um, and I want them through life to feel, to really feel and know that they can always come to me no matter what is going on. And I'll love them, even when times are tough and even when I don't agree with choices they've made or things they're doing I still love them um and I think I think that can become more confusing for kids when you challenge them on these little things that 
don't affect you. It doesn't affect me how you choose to wear your hair. It is so it's so why control it? Why be judgmental of it? Why make my kids feel like I I don't like them as much if they do something or wear their hair a certain way or do something that is not the way I would do it. So it's not they're not supposed to do things the way I do it. You know, they're they're not me. I'm not them. Like I nobody tells me how to cut my hair or what to do or what to wear except when I'm at work, you know, we come up <laughs> with style stuff. Hence the beard. <laughs> but uh but I you know, I that's I really try and actively um, keep that in mind. And it's not, it's, it's all conscious effort stuff. Like it's not, you know, handling situations and, and, and making the choices that I make are not, uh, they're not necessarily in my nature. They're not like the first thing that pops into my head, you know, initially things happen and you want to yell at people. You want to do that. I honestly try and take a second and think, how do I really want to, who's the person I want to be in this situation with my kids and, and, and breathe through it. And then you do that. And the more you continue to take the time to make those choices, the more those choices become, uh, become a habit, become who you are. It's sort of, it's practice. It's the same thing as, as sports. Like, you know, you may not be an amazing hitter in baseball to start, but you keep going to the batting cages, you keep, you know, practicing and you get better and better at it by practicing. And I feel that that, that works across the board. That works emotionally. That works in everything that we do. Yeah. And and sometimes it's fun too. One of the things I talk about, like my oldest son, he got him, he loved chess at an early age. It's something I never played in my life. So it was, I learned how to play it because of him. And now everybody, we all play it in the family. We love it. So you never know which direction it's going to take you. It's a cool thing. Like my, my eight year old Noah, he's really into the piano, which I grew up playing piano because my dad made me take piano lessons before I could take drum lessons. He was like, you have to learn how to read music, you know, <laughs> which I still can't do now. <laughs> like, I forgot all of that. But it's funny, like now my son is taking piano lessons and he's singing and he's doing all these things. And I'm, I'm reconnecting with uh, the love that I have for them and, and, and reconnecting with what I loved when I was younger about them. Like, it's, it's amazing how things do that. And it's amazing, like you said, connecting to things that you've never had a connection to before. But it's really cool having somebody that you love so much um, show you their passion for something. And, and it becomes your passion because it's theirs. Your passion is them. So then within that, connect, you know, within that, their passions become your passions as well. It's fun. Yeah, 100%. It's really cool being a parent. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And then, and then on that note, I know with, with the musical note here, I recently had uh, Maxim Chimarkovsky on the podcast here. Oh, did he came you? Ru- yeah, he came runner-up, the sloth there on the show. What was the experience like for you, the masked dancer? And did your kids watch it? What was their experience like to see you on the show? My, uh, my kids, well, I did singer. I did masked singer first. Um, I thought, oh, this will be fun to watch with my kids when it finally aired. That was, that was a hard situation. One of the hard things, I don't know if Max told you this, um, he might have, is, you know, when you when you do it, you're secretive. You don't tell anybody that you're doing it. 
And then at the point when you're eliminated and you take off the mask and there's the unveiling of you, the job's not over. You still have like a month and a half before it airs. So you're still at that point, like, you know, not talking about it, keeping, you know, mums the word. Like when it comes up, people go, hey, I think you're the sloth. You can't, you know, I was getting uh, I was getting DMs from people going, you know, I think you're the giraffe. And I was like, just ignoring, <laughs> ignoring <laughs> because I didn't want to get into it. I felt like, you know, I was I was a dick. I didn't want to lie about it. So I was like, God, how do I handle this? I'll just ignore it. <laughs> um, but uh, Dancer was super fun, man. Matt, I I really became friends with Max after that. Uh, he's a super nice guy. He's a great dad. He loves his son. Um, he and his wife have a great relationship. It's cool. It's been a really cool year. I mean, Dancer was really fun because it was so – it was a job that I didn't see coming at all. Like, I didn't pursue it. It wasn't something that I tried for. It just came to me, and it fell right in line with um, with the like the path personally that I'm on. It was just this real positive, fun – entertaining thing it was like let me let me really make people feel good about uh performing and entertaining people let me joke around have a lot of fun with the people i'm doing it with with ken and paula and ashley and craig and then uh and and then it airs and i i feel like people that watched it saw how much fun we had doing it and we had and what was really fun was the people that were in costumes that did it as well. Max and, and, and all the people that we had had tons of fun also. And so it was like, what a, what a cool experience, like to have people on and they had an amazing time. It wasn't like tough work for them or, you know, you have like someone like Oscar de la Hoya, who I'm a huge <laughs> fan of, I, you know, that dude's been famous for as long as I've been alive, like he's been, he Oscar De La Hoya is like the man. He's one of the faces of boxing for me. Him, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, like there were the people that you grew up with. It's like, man, that's that's boxing. Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, they're like the people that I saw when I was younger. Um, and he, and when I watching Clue packages, started figuring out, like I really think it's him. There was a part of me that was like, there's no, there's no way. This dude is not going to take off his zebra head and it's Oscar De La Hoya. Like there's no <laughs> way Oscar would do the show. And so when he took off the, the mask and did the unveil and it was him, it was like, man, this is, this is the coolest experience. And then to hear from him, like, you know, Doing this show like jump started me back into training and all of that and put me back in that lifestyle and it really was a catalyst for him. You know, I don't I, I, I know professionally like he's he's looking at a comeback and getting back into it and boxing again and it's and to have played any sort of part in that with a show that I was doing is so cool because I, he's he that that's the bar for me <laughs> like Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> that was that was the real cool thing I mean for me like Ice T in the beginning was cool because he was he was a rapper when I was a kid so he was one of those like one of those people that really introduced me to this uh this lifestyle that I grew up in and, and this culture and all of that 
but Oscar, man, that was a big one for me. Yeah, and, and then speaking about the culture you grew up in, I know Kid 90 is on Hulu right now. Right. It goes into, uh, you know, you, you're in it, and, yeah. and it's a lot different now. Obviously, social media, I think, has changed the entire game, the way the Hollywood or, or movies are being made now or, or anything else. What, what yeah. kind of advice would you give to the parent out there that does have a young kid that's interested in pursuing an acting career or, or, or that they're trying to get their kids into the industry? I mean, it's, it's a lot different now, but how, what kind of advice would you give to them? Oh, no. Um, it's a hard question. Honestly, I think just, like, morally stay on top of your kids and make sure that they're grounded that way, that they have, that they they trust that voice in their head and that gut feeling and that they, they embrace it and they understand it. Um, I think that was one of the things for me, like growing up in this business, that played a vital role in me making it through and uh, in and feeling as comfortable as I do now was the fact that I always had like a strong moral compass. I always had, I always had a real strong feeling of understanding of right and wrong. And, um, and I mean, you know, a lot of kids didn't make it out of the business or didn't make it to adulthood because it was just, it was too much for them. Um, and I get it. I mean, I can see, I can understand all the trappings of the business. Um, I I just didn't, I didn't have those because I had, I honestly always had that voice in the back of my head uh, helping me decipher right from wrong. And, and so I made the choice of, uh, of staying staying the path that felt the best for me. Um, Good. And I, and I always knew that I would have a support system if I did that. And I did. Yeah, very cool. And what about as far as upcoming projects here? Obviously, you got the beard going here. You got a Moses role coming up. What kind of what kind of projects or, or movies are you working on now we could be looking forward to here? I support, why does a beard have to be Moses, man? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jesus had a beard. Well, there you go. Passions, too. Yeah, it's I'm I'm doing a uh, I'm doing a film I'm starting a film the end of this month called uh, Pacerville, shooting in Sacramento. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's just the beard is sort of a choice for the character. I don't want to give anything away, but um, but it you know as as an actor you just try and find these little things that help you connect more to character and and uh, and guys lucky enough have this to do women have hair uh which which men can do a little bit of but not nearly as much as women but guys have this you know we can always grow different goatees and and soul patches and all these different things to you know to help uh help us when we're looking in the mirror uh feel a little closer to this person that we're we're creating so you do that with with facial hair and with clothing and all of that. So uh, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, very, <laughs> very cool. And last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Brian, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Um, just hang on and enjoy it, man. It's a, it's a, 
it's a wild ride. It really is. I always tell I always tell people that have like stepkids. It's great that you have stepkids. That's that's an amazing thing. But there is nothing like you can't explain the experience to anyone. They just have to experience it of holding your own child, like going through that and holding your own baby and knowing like this is I I was a part in making this person. It, there, there's something really amazing and magical to that. Um, just enjoy it. Like it, even when it's even when it's hard, make the choice to enjoy it being hard. Like try and find the positivity in everything, um, because you can't you can't change that. You can't change uh, getting up in the middle of the night or getting kids ready for school or being tired. Or you can't you can't change that. So it's all about how how best to uh, mentally handle those situations. And I always feel like for me, finding the most positive way of dealing with them, it ends up becoming the easiest. Because at least you take that stress of like, you know, that like tension of, you know, you want to break something and, you know, <laughs> I'm exhausted. Like you take the anger out of it and you, you know, and instead you laugh about it. It's like, I'm exhausted. I need another, an extra cup of coffee today, you know? <laughs> So, so drink it, <laughs> like it's, it'll all be okay. And then, and because you know what, at the end of the day, you're, you're raising people. And so you want to give them the best, uh, the best life possible and the best guidance possible. And, and it's not your job to be their friend. It, it's kids only for the rest of their lives have one father and one mother and that's it. Um, so it's great that your kids like you, but that's, but being their friend is not your job. Like really being that moral voice, that compass, being that, that person that, that loves them and is there for them and, and, and they feel safe with is so important because friends come and go through their lives, but their parents are always in their lives. Um, and you know, little things that you say and do, those are the things that, that people stick to. They always go, Oh, my mom was, was this way. And so, yeah, I'm the same way, you know, or my dad was this way. And, and it, it becomes when you raise people that way, that, that imprints on them. So pay attention to how you're imprinting. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Brian Austin Green, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate you having me. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Brian Austin Green for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it in Wednesday. Navy SEAL best-selling author Jack Carr stops by the podcast. Friday, we're going to close it out with Backstreet Boys member AJ McLean. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. <laughs>